Welcome to Healing Hearts, Empowering Critical Care Providers. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended as a training tool for Children's Hospital and Medical Center personnel. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Complete information regarding the podcast, including its limitations on usage, is available under the episode description. Hi, welcome to Healing Hearts. My name is Dr. Melissa Moff-Lewitt, and I am one of the pediatric nephrologists at Children's Hospital and Medical Center. Today, I am going to talk to you about hemodialysis. In an earlier lecture, we discussed the causes of acute kidney injury and indications for dialysis within the ICU. And now we're going to move into learning a little bit more about each of our dialysis modalities. So we're going to start off with hemodialysis. Today in the lecture on hemodialysis, I hope to cover the theory of hemodialysis, cover information about access, some general information about a hemodialysis prescription, the advantages and disadvantages of hemodialysis, some of our complications, and a little bit about what to watch for as ICU nurse as far as important things at the bedside to monitor in these patients. So what is hemodialysis? So hemodialysis is a modality of dialysis where the blood is removed from the patient and run through a filter. Now this filter essentially works by running blood flow in one direction through the filter and then in a countercurrent direction running dialysate. And these two solutions are separated by a semi-permeable membrane. These solutions never touch, but still can exchange fluid across the membrane through a process called diffusion. So if you remember back to some of your basic science, diffusion is really when a solute can transport across a semi-permeable membrane, and in general, particles want to move from an area of high concentration to low concentration. And so we're utilizing those properties to get effective small molecule clearance from our patient's blood. And really with that, the thing that will frequently come up as questions on dialysis is what is cleared by dialysis? So clearance on dialysis really matters according to size. So what do we clear on dialysis? Well, we generally clear small molecules easily. So that's more of our small electrolytes, things like sodium, phosphorus, potassium, urea. We have a few middle molecules that we can somewhat clear, which are some mid-sized molecules, but we don't really clear any large particles like proteins. And so this really comes into play when we're asked about medications that are cleared, and that really depends on the size of the medication and whether or not the medication is protein-bound or distributed within the bloodstream. If the medication is not distributed within the bloodstream, then we do not clear it. And if the medication is highly protein-bound, then we do not clear it. In addition to diffusion clearing these small molecules that we want to improve with dialysis, we also can provide fluid removal on dialysis. And we do this through something called ultrafiltration, or you'll hear me refer to this as UF. And so really ultrafiltration occurs when we apply pressure on the side of the blood within the filter, and that pressure will force water across our semi-permeable membrane and 
force water into our dialysate where the fluid is then removed. So we're effectively removing fluid across that membrane through a pressure gradient. Now we're moving on to hemodialysis access. So what do we need for access? Well, we need something that will provide us with a significant amount of blood flow. So in pediatrics, typically that means that we're looking at placing a large bore dual lumen catheter. These catheters can be either temporary catheters that are non-tunneled or permanent catheters which are tunneled under the skin. Now we won't spend a lot of time on this, but also in some of our larger patients or in adults, another common form of access for hemodialysis patients are indwelling access or things like AV fistulas or synthetic grafts. Now, when we're looking at catheter placement in these patients prior to initiating dialysis, we typically look at having the catheter placed in a large vessel. Ideally, we look at the catheter going into the internal jugular vein, or we'll also consider subclavian vessels or the femoral vein. Next, we'll move on to how to write a hemodialysis prescription and just give you some brief information on, as nephrologists, what things we're considering when we write a hemodialysis prescription. So we're really focusing in on what our major goals are. Are our goals to get clearance? Are our goals to correct electrolytes? or our, is our goal to simply remove fluid or to ultrafiltrate? Or is it a combination of these? So the first thing that we'll look at is how much clearance we need based on the size of the patient. Now we can adjust our clearance based on several different factors. We can adjust our blood flow through the catheter. We can adjust our countercurrent flow of dialysate through the filter. We can adjust our filter type or our filter size, which is usually measured in a surface area of the filter. And we can also do additional dialysis by doing a longer time on dialysis or more days of dialysis. Now, a typical hemodialysis prescription um, will usually be anywhere from two to four hours, and the number of days per week that we dialyze will really be dependent on the, the needs of the patient and their response to dialysis. With hemodialysis, we can set clearly how much fluid or how much ultrafiltration we want to occur during that period of time. And then we can also set specific electrolyte contents. So we can decide how much we want to alter the patient's levels of certain electrolytes, namely their sodium level, their bicarbonate level, their calcium, or their potassium levels. What are the advantages of hemodialysis over other dialysis modalities? Really, hemodialysis is our most rapid modality of dialysis for fast toxin clearance. It's also our most rapid modality for electrolyte clearance. One of the main advantages of hemodialysis is that we can set our machine for our desired electrolyte content, and we can set our machine for an exact desired ultrafiltration. Another major advantage of hemodialysis, as we discussed, is that a patient only requires being on dialysis for a period of two to four hours per day for a given number of days per week that's determined by the patient's needs. The disadvantages of hemodialysis 
are really the fact that vascular access is needed and sometimes, especially in our small patients, obtaining, attaining vascular access in these patients can be quite a challenge. Another disadvantage of hemodialysis is that these patients generally need anticoagulation, but because our dialysis is only running for a few hours, they only need a short duration of anticoagulation. And another major disadvantage of hemodialysis is really just the amount of rapid fluid or electrolyte shifting that occurs during those two to four hours on dialysis. And sometimes, depending on the stability of the patient, that's not always well tolerated. The next topic I wanted to cover is the complications of hemodialysis. The main complication that we generally worry about with hemodialysis is really the risk of infection with having that central line placed in the patient. And so really a lot of our focus for hemodialysis is infection prevention with good central line management. Other complications of hemodialysis frequently revolve around the catheter. Oftentimes the catheter will malfunction or not work well at the flows that we need for our machine. And that could be quite problematic, especially in newly placed catheters. And as we spoke about, anticoagulation is an, a known complication of hemodialysis, but without anticoagulation, we can actually have issues with either hemodialysis catheters clotting off or the circuit clotting off. And so that's another risk that is monitored closely by the hemodialysis nurses during the treatment. As far as complications during the actual dialysis run, one of the main complications that we're always monitoring closely for is hypotension. And that's why we always have a hemodialysis nurse present during these treatments is really to closely monitor vital signs like blood pressure and heart rate to ensure that the patient is tolerating this aggressive fluid removal during this you know, short duration of two to four hours. And our nurses also often key into symptoms of the patient. So it's not uncommon for patients to have symptoms from fluid removal. And these can be symptoms like cramping or nausea and vomiting from essentially ischemia during the dialysis run. We primarily are worried about ischemia when hypotension occurs on hemodialysis. Our concern is that we never want to cause profound sudden hypotension on a patient that could jeopardize blood flow to any of our organs. Patients can also develop symptoms from rapid toxin or urea clearance. Patients can develop something called disequilibrium syndrome if a serum BUN level is dropped too rapidly. This is really a problem in our patients that come in with prolonged elevation of BUNs, and this is something that we watch during an initial hemodialysis run. These patients can develop cerebral edema and seizures from rapid shifting of their serum osmolality. Patients can also develop symptoms from rapid shifts of other electrolytes, sodium or potassium. And then another major vital sign that's always monitored during dialysis is really patients' pulse ox, their oxygen saturations, because there is always a possibility for hypoxemia to occur on hemodialysis. Patients on dialysis are at risk for hypoxemia when they have underlying cardiac or respiratory conditions, and our patients are also particularly at risk for hypoxemia with their anemia that can occur with their 
end-stage renal disease. These are all things that can just place them at higher risk for low oxygen saturations while uh, ultrafiltrating fluid on dialysis. And numerous other complications can occur on hemodialysis, but are often rare, but things like allergic reactions can also occur in response to exposure of the patient to medications on dialysis or exposure to the foreign substances like plastic in the filters within our dialysis circuit. Then lastly, I'd like to cover just some important concepts of bedside nursing in the PICU on our patients on hemodialysis. The bedside nurse is really helpful to the dialysis and the nephrology teams because there are eyes and ears of really monitoring this patient in between dialysis therapy. So we rely on the bedside nurse to give us an assessment of how they are in the time after dialysis when they're recovering from this therapy and also how they're behaving in time off from the therapy if they're starting to develop more symptoms from fluid overload and things as they've had more time since their last dialysis treatment. And that can involve things like noticing that the patient's more hypertensive, that they're becoming more edematous, or that they're having a change in their respiratory status or their event settings. We really rely on our bedside nurses for helping us with the management of our patient's fluid status. And that involves accurate I's and O's and really accurate daily weights to help us assess the patient's fluid status. And really, I always appreciate the bedside nurse's assessment of how they feel the patient's exam has changed since the last dialysis treatment and their assessment of the patient's respiratory status. We really rely on the bedside nurses to monitor electrolytes but one tip is to generally make sure that we're not checking electrolytes until two hours after a hemodialysis run. It takes that long really for the electrolytes to kind of come into a new equilibrium after we've done aggressive cleaning of the electrolytes that are in the intravascular space. It takes some time for the electrolytes to equilibrate with things moving out of the tissues back into the intravascular space. We also rely heavily on the bedside nurses to be checking those electrolytes and notifying us if any major changes arise. Nursing is also very important for providing nutritional support to our patients. We always really would like to make nutrition a priority in all of our dialysis patients and really assessing how they're tolerating their nutrition. It's really important to work on timing of medications around dialysis. So oftentimes we will ask that bedside nurse hold some of the morning blood pressure medications if a dialysis treatment is due so that we limit the risk of hypotension on dialysis. And also we have to give some thought to the timing of medications that are cleared by dialysis with possibly holding the medication until the dialysis therapy is complete so the medication is actually effective. And Again, most importantly, the biggest thing that always as a team working on is preventing catheter-related infections in our patients with central lines. That concludes our lecture today on hemodialysis. Thank you for tuning in for this podcast. In our next lecture series, we will cover peritoneal dialysis as well as CRRT. For more information about Children's Hospital and Medical Center, visit childrensomaha.org. Thanks for listening to Healing Hearts, empowering critical care providers.